Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, we're we, we just got the mic. Yeah. And I forgot my collar. I'm I'm like fully priested right now. <laughs> nice. Here we are. We're finally here. Let's do it. We're, let's let's do it. Hello and welcome to Master of Divinity. We are live right now with no viewers, but that's okay because we're trying a different. Uh, we're doing video this time. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting and stuff. Hello, Matt Wells and Father Chuck. What's up? Um, it's, it's good to, to, to have you guys here right now. Um, we had some technical issues trying to log us uh, all in, but it's okay. We're here now. That's all that matters. Uh, and uh, can I say, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I see you. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, the, 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 the way to say that the Navi language escapes me. Um, oh, I'm so sad, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it, 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 it occurred to me. Is it Steve? I, no, no, no. Um, but I can't remember the, the Navi term for ICU. It's very long. Um, yeah. but Sivako is, is like, seize the moment. It's like, go for it. Where did you learn that? From the flight of passage ride at Disney. <laughs> Uh, there's also Ignimaya, which is, I believe, the Navi word for the people, which is the name of the Navi. Okay. All right. Yep. Um, that's good. I'm, <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. In case you're not familiar with Avatar, the story's hero is Jake Sully, a former Marine confined to a wheelchair. Bitter and disillusioned, he's still a warrior at heart. All Jake ever wanted was something worth fighting for, and he finds it in the place he least <laughs> expected, on a distant world. Jake has been recruited to join an expedition to the moon Pandora, which corporate interests are strip mining for a mineral worth $20 million per kilogram on Earth, known as unobtainium. <laughs> to facilitate their work, the humans use a link system that projects a person's consciousness into a hybrid of humans and Pandora's indigenous humanoids, Navi. Is it Navi or is it Navi? Do you put like a Navi or is it like... It's Navi because there is an accent between the souls of Navi. So Navi. Okay. This human Navi hybrid, a full living, breathing body that resembles the Navi but possesses the individual human's thoughts, feelings, and personality, is known as an avatar. In his new avatar form, Jake can once again walk. His mission is to interact with and infiltrate the Navi with the hope of enlisting their help, or at least their acquiescence in mining the ore. A beautiful Navi female, Natiri, saves Jake's life, albeit reluctantly, because even in his avatar body, Jake represents to her the human encroachment on the Navi's unspoiled world. As Jake's relationship with Natiri deepens, along with his respect for the Navi, he faces the ultimate test as he leads an epic conflict that will decide nothing less than the fate of an entire world. Da -na -na -na. That's a James Horner riff. Right, I, I, I don't know. Da -na -na -na. Sounds about right. It's the part when the tree falls and you hear that the horn. Oh right, that's right. That's like my favorite part, <laughs> or one of my favorite parts. Um, so let's get some facts, gentlemen. Um, so like this is written directed by James Cameron, and this is sort of like a like a lifelong project of his, something he's been obsessed with like his entire life, apparently, according to him. And it's sort of like a culmination of everything he's fascinated with, which is you know technology and nature and how like technology has taken us away from nature and things like that. Sci-fi pulpy novels he grew up with, 
and um, just his whole uh, approach to like technology, always time developing tech and pushing the envelope with special effects and stuff. Um, the box office for this movie is uh, remarkable. It's currently in the ballpark of $3 billion worldwide. Nice. And it's, yeah. What were you going to say? I was just, I, I'm saying nice. My, I'm just. Oh, I said I don't nice. Know, I, I don't know why Matt is like so disillusioned <laughs> by this. It's not a bad movie. It's Three, such it's, a bad movie. Did we'll, you watch we'll get, it? I we'll did to, watch it again. We'll get we're going to get to it. We're going to oh, get we're gonna get, Oh, we're going to get to it. Oh. Okay, so I want to talk about this box office because it is it's 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 like overwhelming. The, it's in the three it's the ballpark right now three billion dollars worldwide, which makes it the fifth highest grossing movie of all time after adjusting for inflation. Um, its first week and made one hundred thirty seven million, and it just kept rising week after week after week for I think like a month straight, which puts it which is how which is how you beat Titanic basically. Um, you can't have that drop off in the first month. And the critical reaction was actually pretty positive. Like I did some research, you know, people are kind of eh now, but back then, you know, people like Roger Ebert, AO Scott, people of Variety, New Yorker, they really liked it. It's getting like four stars all across the board. Some people saying like, I haven't felt this way since I saw Star Wars when I was a kid. Roger Ebert gave it four stars. Um, it was met with a lot of pretty good reception. Um, but then, you know, as we all kind of know now, and the conversations now is like, it's not really celebrated that much, at least in the public sphere. Um, right, but, uh, it, it, has, it has the odd, and I know we'll probably talk about this, but it has the odd distinction of being this massive movie that never really entered sort of the pop culture zeitgeist. Right. In terms of like, like the way Star Wars did. Right. Or like many other James Cameron movies like Terminator right. and- Aliens. Um, yeah. Um, so before we get started talking about the movie, I want to know your guys's opinion on James Cameron. So Chuck, why don't you start? I want to know what you think about James Cameron. Um, the thing about I've had, I really I, James Cameron, James Cameron. I, I really don't know what else to say about the guy. He is, um, he is, he is um, nonstop, um, and he has proven time and time again, that one should never bet against James Cameron. He, um, in terms of every movie he makes, they have, they are huge. They are iconic. Um, you know, I mean, he, you know, of course, Terminator is just unbelievable as a movie. Terminator 2, enormous. Just, I mean, just that. And he had, of course, the, the, the distinction of, um, for a while, I mean, I know this is a matter of debate for some people, but of um, proving that the sequel can be better than the original. Um, like I said, I know people debate that about the Terminator and Alien franchises, but for a long time there was that feeling that the that Aliens and uh, Terminator Two were better than their than their originals. I think now the consensus is more that they're different. They're just very different movies from their originals, and they're, it's not so much that one's better than the other; they're just different. Yeah, that, I think that's. I think he he does that on purpose. Yeah, um, and then uh, I mean probably. I, I talking about facts. I I deeply, deeply love Avatar. Um, um, I think it, it has top. It has become one of my top favorite movies. Um, but I have a hard time. I mean, I love Aliens just because it's Aliens. But I also really, really like The Abyss. Really, um, and which to me, I think might be James Cameron's best movie. So it's why interesting. Didn't, why didn't we do The Abyss? <laughs> There's a good movie. See. 
<laughs> we should we actually should do the abyss that'd be a fun mm-hmm. episode too but mm-hmm. what, what, what strikes me about that chuck is that you think it's his best movie is the abyss it's it's kind of like avatar in a way and and it's and how it's it's being received and remembered because i think right. at the time i don't i didn't really do much research on on the abyss but i i, I think at the time it was kind of underwhelming like it was really, really hyped as he was making because the whole thing was made underwater. It was the first time they recorded underwater on film or something like that. Um, yeah, they developed so, they developed specific scuba technology so that they could deliver lines while underwater. Yeah, exactly. And but like today, it's not really like revered. It's not as revered as, as like you know Terminator or Aliens, right? Um, well, so which it, which would be an interesting that'd be an interesting thing to 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 sort of investigate why it is that um why it is that that terminator 2 and aliens and terminator have become these big bombastic you know pop culture things but like abyss which to me is just such a good movie like just just a good movie like a well-made because i I, and i and i've always felt that with abyss he he was this was this was something he wanted to make um, he wasn't trying for, I, 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 I just didn't feel like it was a movie he was trying to make for, spe- for spectacle. Mm-hmm. It's a very thoughtful movie. It's a movie more about ideas than it is about like bombast. Yeah. And I, and I think, and, and that kind of ties into a theory I have that both with Avatar and the Abyss as to why it didn't really capture, you know, that sort of uh, you know, celebration. Yeah. But let's, let's go into Matt. I want to know what Matt thinks about James Cameron. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Right. I mean, no, I mean, come on. I mean, um, I agree with everything Chuck has said so far. We're going to disagree so much soon. So let's enjoy the, the, un- the unity that we have in this moment. Well, um, the abyss is incredible. Terminator aliens. I mean, come on. These movies are, are I mean, they're, they're like our childhood. And yet there's also a fun track record of watching all these franchises that we love and adore be driven into the ground horribly and lost in a sea of useless, meaningless, overpriced special effects and overhyped lacking storylines. Oh, sorry. We're not on that movie yet. Oh, we'll get there. Um, Notice (laughs) notice that so far, none of us have talked about Titanic. I feel, I feel, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, oh, no, I, I'll get there. I was going to get there. I was going to get there actually, but I will say I'm feeling a little intimidated um, because Chuck and I are in the same room for this episode and have a long car ride ahead of us. Um, and <laughs> so JP thought, Hey, I know it'll be fun. Let's talk about a movie that'll have them both at each other's throat and see how the day hey, goes. <laughs> hey, at least he didn't have us talk about Tron legacy. Oh, I feel like this is going to be so much worse. Um, <laughs> the, but Titanic, I mean, come on when Titanic came out, can we all just think back to what that did to our culture and our world when that movie premiered and everybody walked into the theater and left and went back again and left and went back a third time. Like this is a movie where other people, I mean, we, 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 you know, going to see a movie more than once, that is normal for us, but for other people to be like, yeah, man, I saw it three times too, was, was very, very different. Um, and especially when you're talking like a three and a half hour movie. Um, however, my, my take on Titanic is I still say the best way to watch it 
is if you can track down the old VHS two two cassette copy, <laughs> track down funny. the old two cassette one, throw out the first one. All you need is a second one. It starts with the iceberg hitting the boat, and it's just the fun, cool action sequence of the ship sinking and them running to save their. So the best way to watch Titanic, go buy the VHS and just get rid of VHS number one and watch the second one. That's good. Thank good you, times. Matt. Good times. Um, so my, my thoughts on James Cameron is that I, I've always loved James Cameron. He was probably the first filmmaker I learned about, like outside of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. And I've always been fascinated by, by Cameron because his whole approach is that he's, he's a very utilitarian filmmaker, not utilitarian in the way like, I'm not saying he's like a workman filmmaker, like, like, like Brett Ratner or something utilitarian in that, like he, he's an engineer, his background is in engineering and, um, tech and also art. And so he's able, he's able to kind of combine the two. He's like probably the only director I know of, of his caliber who can like, he's the kind of director who can take apart a camera and put it back together again. And I think, I think that's fascinating about him. And you can kind of see that in his art. And like in his early work, he's very fascinated with technology. There's a lot of not quite fetishizing of technology, but like he does love to put that on the screen, how things work, how things move. And um, and I think it, 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 you would think that someone with that sort of um, with that sort of approach wouldn't be able to tell like a very engaging or emotional story, but that's quite the opposite. He's very good at um, kind of hammering out a, a script that works by using just like knowing where the components go, like how most like engineers probably would approach a script, but yet he can still evoke a lot of emotion. I mean, we and, all we all cried over a converted ro uh, murderous robot getting sunk into lava. Exactly, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, the, or like, even, or like, sorry, I just got it. One of the best lines in any sci-fi franchise, and uh, is um, is Ellen Ripley, "Get away from her, you bitch!" Hell yeah, like, communicating so much passion and like motherly. Sorry, I just had to. I had to acknowledge that. No, no, it's it's great. I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, the fact that this this techie engineer made Titanic, a movie that teenage girls went to see every day that it was in theaters over and over and over again. I think that's, I think that's incredible. I think that's, I think that I should make him go down in history as one of our greatest filmmakers. Yeah. Um, so like, I love James Cameron. Like you'll never get any complaints from me whatsoever. I mean, I, I know there are a lot of stories where he's like, kind of, where he at least used to be kind of a dick, like, like total dictator on a, on, on, on set and like being really rude and mean to people. He's acknowledged that he was like that, but he's like, I don't, I'm not, he's not really like that anymore, apparently, which I hope that's true. Um, but I love him. And, um, you know, when this movie is coming out, I was super stoked. I totally bought into the idea that it's going to be the next Star Wars. That's going to be the game changer it is. So let's, let's talk about Avatar. So I want to hear from Chuck first. Chuck, what, what are your thoughts? Give me some. Give me your thoughts on Avatar. Okay, so I saw Avatar, I believe, opening night, and I was, um, and it was. I know this is a movie that you and I had talked about over the years, and I was aware of it for a long time with James Cameron wanting to make it, and I just kept expecting it to be made, and it just kept, you know, not getting off the ground. But I was just like the idea of, of, of. Um, because I remember first reading about the plot about it as like a war being conducted on another planet by way of, you know, people like transporting their minds into other bodies. Um, and I thought that was such a cool idea. And James Cameron, like who who's going to go against James Cameron? Um, and then 
it was 3D and I was really interested in the fact that he was really trying to explore 3D as not as a gimmick, like not, in, I mean, it's a gimmick, but not a gimmick like say in like, what is it? Uh, Friday the 13th part 3D, yeah, where he's like throwing balls at your face, tennis balls at your face. Like, right. That he was exploring the use of 3D for depth. And that was the thing that struck me about it is that it was really more about how the depth of the screen sticks in rather than stuff coming out at you. Um, I mean, that, the fact that the first shot, like one of the first shots of the movie is like a little drop of like, you know, water focused on the screen. Um, and then like the uh, way it pans and you see that it's that Jake is in the like cryo tube and it's floating in front of him. Like, I just think that that, that, you know, actually it's two, it's two water droplets that merge together because it's foreshadowing. But, um, but yeah, I, I, so I went and saw it, um, blown away by the, just the immersiveness of it in terms of special effects, um, felt the story was a little weak and a little basic, um, and did not necessarily feel that Sam Worthington was a very uh, charismatic or compelling lead. Um, and then uh, the hype around it and like terms of, I don't know, like terms of its special effects and all of that, it just sort of faded from my memory. And I just remembered it as a very pretty but boring movie. And I never saw it again in theaters. Um, and I did catch it. My a friend of a friend of Kana's. We were staying at um, a friend's house in in um, in Pitts in uh, in Pittsburgh and um, in um, Philadelphia. And he had just bought like this really high end um, plasma, a huge plasma TV. And so he was watching Avatar on it. And I was really surprised at how what it looked like on that TV screen because I had only ever seen it in 3D in theaters. And I always thought that, well, there's no point in watching it if you can't see it in 3D. Um, and as an aside, I think that's a factor into why it didn't, it hasn't grown as much as in the fan as, as it could have, because I think it was such a, it was so tied to the movie theater experience. I think so too. I think I, I read some, some kind of uh, retrospective criticism on it. A lot of people are complaining about sort of his kind of like neutral style of filmmaking and use of like a lot of like negative space. But it's like, I think that, that that's definitely intentional because that, the visuals were supposed to pop on their own. Right. But I, so I think it's a, I think it's a franchise or film and franchise now that, that yields itself to immersiveness. And I'll get to that in a moment. Cause I, I cause I, because like I said, I was, I was bored with the movie. Um, um, when I first saw it, uh, or after seeing it, it sort of faded away. And I sort of bought into the idea of like, Oh, this is, this is okay. Cool. He spent a lot of money, but it just never really connected and just wasn't that great of a thing. Um, but then, um, but then, um, I went to, and then I found out they were opening the, the, the opening of Pandora at Animal Kingdom in Orlando. And I kind of, I rolled my eyes at that. I thought there's no way that this is going to be like, why, like, why, why are you spending so much money on this? Like with this, this franchise. And I mean, it's been funny to read about how learning that Disney was super nervous about it because they signed on to build that when they expected sequels to have been in theaters. And James Cameron's famous for delaying his movies. Oh, and yeah. so Disney was super nervous about it. Um, but then we went and I went on all the rides and it just really, it really reinvigorated my interest in, in Avatar. And I was, I found myself borderline obsessed with it. Um, and again, cause it's an immersive thing. Like I can go visit Pandora, you know, I can go ride flight of passage, which really allows you to feel like you're in that world. Um, and so I then bought, I bought like this, like collector's edition 
Blu-ray version of it. And I've watched it several times since then. My kids have watched bits of it with me. They really like it. They're, they have little toy banshees and stuff and are fascinated by it. Um, and I've, I, I've come around and realized it's, I think it's a better movie than I remembered. Um, the plot is pretty generic, but it's, I mean, it's a similar plot in some ways to like, um, dances with wolves or the last of the Mohicans or, um, the last samurai, um, that, you know, the, you know, people criticize the sort of like white guy goes native and saves the natives, which I don't, uh, that's an oversimplification for me on that movie. But, um, but I see that. And even James Cameron himself has said, like, he was totally trying to rip off Pocahontas because he said, he said he, he started getting the ideas for this movie after seeing Disney's Pocahontas. So, um, so he himself has admitted that this was, he wasn't, he, he wasn't trying to tell some new story. He was trying to tell an old story in a new way. Um, and so knowing that I've come to appreciate the movie a lot more. Um, and especially for the world building. Um, I mean, just so much work went into it. I mean, I, um, I made a comment on a on a on an article a little way back about um, it was on Birth Movies Death. Somebody made a comment about a moon orbiting Pandora, and and I I I did one of those actually replies where it was like actually Pandora itself is a moon. It can't have moons orbiting it because it it, it it orbits a gas giant. Yeah, yeah, it orbits Polyphemeris, uh, the uh, the the gas giant, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, our proliferous, proliferous. I think that's it. Oh yes, look to me. I know your answer. <laughs> so, um, but um, this person replied, and they were like, "Oh, that's right. I forgot that they did that. I wonder why that was." And this other person, who's clearly like a diehard fan, gave this whole like thing about how James Cameron. He, he'd read somewhere that James Cameron had done all this research in how the most like, at the time the most likely way that we were going to find a planet that could sustain life was it orbiting a gas giant. And he just did this whole like in depth and it proved that James Cameron just did so much research because he wanted it to have some ground, like some factual, like rooted in some kind of factuality um, around this. And so they had this idea of this gas giant in the Alpha Centauri system that has a moon orbiting it that, that can sustain life. And that was his, that's his thing. Um, and so just, I mean that, and then invented a whole language for it, invented a whole ton of animals and, you know, that, and, and you know, the flora and fauna of Pandora is beautiful. And the fact that it's bioluminescent adds a whole other layer of interest to the storyline. Um, or well to the, to the, not to the storyline, but to the film itself into this, the, the, so I think it's, I mean, it's just a beautiful movie in terms of, of what you're looking at on the screen. Um, you know, I, I will give Matt this, the storyline is weak. It's pretty, pedestrian and basic. Um, but I think all the, I think all the stuff surrounding it makes up for that, for the, for the boring storyline. I mean, let's be honest, a new hope is a boring storyline. I just started watching star Wars again. It's a, it's a, it's a rescue the princess storyline pretty much. Well, it, you're right. But I think that star Wars has a lot of things going for it that I think James Cameron kind of skipped out on and overlooked. I don't want. I don't want to say overlooked because I don't think he did it on purpose. I think, or I mean, I do think he did it on purpose. I think that there is a reason why. But um, I'll get into my thoughts later. I want to know okay. what Matt thinks. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Matt did not like it. I have not been to Pandora at at Disney yet. Um, I will say that I'm very excited about. And I feel like maybe the money wasted on this movie 
should just be spent on continuing to better improve a theme park because I think the world immersion is all he was thinking about. And I think he forgot about making a movie that I care about. Um, Cause this storyline, you say it's basic, but the storyline sucks. It's just so like, oh, come on. You, you, like you said, he's one of our greatest filmmakers that an engineer can make these movies. Then there's this movie that I'm like, yeah, that's what I would expect an engineer to make. Like <laughs> it shows off what he can do, but has nothing to it that, I mean, the characters are awful. I'm sorry, they're awful. Um, Sam Worthington, that's his name, right? Yeah, he's Jake's Horrible Sullivan. character. He, he's boring, he's not compelling. His only motivation is, I woke up and they told me to be here because my brother died, but they don't even explore the relationship with his brother. There's no, I'm not interested in this guy. They don't, they don't make you really feel for, I mean, they put him in a wheelchair, which is such a desperate cry for care about this man. He can't even walk. He was obviously hurt in war, but then they don't even make him care about it. He's kind of like, yeah, it'd be great to have my legs, but whatever, and kind of moves on. And then it's thrown back in as a cheap, hey man, if you spy for us and tell us what's going on, we'll get your legs back. And he's like, all right but doesn't really care about that. Like it's, it's just, it's such an afterthought. The main villain is a poor man's Colonel Guile. Colonel Quaritch is the best part he of this He is movie. a poor man's Colonel Guile. I think he's actually he, great. He's like, if Colonel Guile was not played by John claude Van Damme, this is what it looks like. He and keeps going out to the environment, holding oh, his breath and fights. So, like, I think that's pretty awesome. Oh, it's so it's not awesome. It's stupidity. Who would run out and hold their breath to I go fight awesome. people? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, and yeah, and this this is not a planet for the record that can sustain life in any way, shape, or form. Because if you open the door, you're all dead, um, unless you put your scuba gear on to go outside. So it's like living under the ocean. And, and I said, and I, and I was like, uh, and the, the immersion part of it, I was not, I was not immersed. I, the, the world building. I remember when I saw it in theaters, I was kind of underwhelmed because the hype, I blame the hype for in the theater. I went opening night, went and saw it. I was kind of like, ah, uh, I mean, it was cool looking, but whatever. Then I watch it on a TV and I agree with you kind of because you say you say you don't really think it's this way but i i disagree in the sense that i watched it on a tv that is no longer 3d and really didn't care anymore um i think it's a beautiful concept with the like you said the bioluminescence is probably one of the like coolest parts when it lights up it's like oh that's pretty but i honestly feel like it i like like i said i would love to go to disney and do the ride and see what it's like to interact with this world because that's what the movie was supposed to be is make you feel like you're interacting with this world. And instead I feel like I'm in a pet store looking into a saltwater aquarium and I can't interact with the boring fish swimming around. I just get the point at them and go, Oh look colors. Um, and, and I, I just, I'm, I was not, I was not a fan. There's so much potential. And I told JP this separately so he can attest to this. I'm actually super excited about seeing a sequel. I'll admit that because I feel like he was so focused on trying to impress us with his world building that he kind of forgot, oh yeah, I need to make a movie too. And I'm now curious that the world has been built to see what he'll do with it. Right. That I'm curious in. But as far as this one as a movie, 
I can't wait to see the theme park. I can live happy if I never see the movie again. It was, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And don't get me started. I really, I can't get started on this one, but I got to make a comment. But then I give, then we got to move on. I can't do it, JP. I can't talk about it. Okay. But the portrayal of women in it pissed me off horribly. It like really All made right. me mad. Um, to take Sigourney Weaver, who is an incredible actress, and turn it down to let's make her look like a teenager in cutoffs and a high high waisted shirt and comment on that immediately so that the guy's like oh wow is that and she's like well what did you expect i just didn't like it it's See, like it's like a teenage boy's concept of what she what sigourney weaver should be instead of it's sigourney weaver like let sigourney weaver be sigourney weaver uh, it made me angry. It did. I mean, I think I think for me, it's it shows that there is an element of using the avatars as a way to show off a side of yourself that you feel is and, missing, and it allows her to feel young and 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 even sexy again, maybe. Yeah, um, and I and I can see that, and I agree partially, but I also was bothered by. I couldn't help but notice how much of the design of the characters is to draw attention to their bodies. And the, so the Matt's female calling character... Out, Matt's calling out the male gazy aspect. The, the female character who is arguably the best part of this movie is the main female... Natiri. Natiri. I always mess up her name. Thank you, Natiri. Um, and yet so much was spent on trying to make your eye drawn to her body that I didn't even get to appreciate the, the performance that was being done because it's all about what, how little can we put them in? And with the females, it's played up as, ooh, look at them. And then with the guys, it's played up as a joke where he literally is picking a wedgie when he walks onto screen. Nice close-up of him picking a wedgie. So I it's like, it. oh, look, the guys have to wear a loincloth. And then it's like, oh, look, the women are wearing loincloths. And I just, it's annoying. Oh. See, I, it's annoying. I mean, Cameron himself said that uh, there are stories around him when they would come up with designs for Natiri, he would walk around to a lot of the men and say, like, do you think she's hot or not? Because he felt <laughs> that, because he felt that her attractiveness and was ladies necessary. and gentlemen, enough said, have a good day. No, I'm just well, kidding. <laughs> but he said he felt that her attractiveness was necessary to sell the love story aspect of the movie. But, but his concept of attractiveness is what he went for. And that makes me mad. Well, and, and there's um, also, and it's it, it's it's not just Natiri. He he. I mean, it's it's kind of clear that he's trying to make them all 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 of the uh, Navi like desirable, right? Because it's well, a romance, so right. It's a romance, but there's all. It's also it's also I think it, it's that subversive piece too. And in some, I'm sure we could, in terms of like racial theory, um, in, in anthropology, they could talk about how the idea that a lot of white people tend have had this history of looking at. Um, indigenous peoples as sort of, you know, superior and sort of fetishize them. Right. Um, and I could see where you could take that with this movie. Um, but at the same time, these are aliens, not actual native peoples on earth. So I think you, there, there's gotta be a little bit of that. That's a, that's like a totally different episode where we could talk about the nativism and stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And, and, and I will say, I do want to stress the fact that I am waiting and curious for the sequel. I'm 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 hopeful, and I'm super excited to go visit 
like the Disney park. I want to see this world and interact with this world. That I want to do. But what I'm, what my biggest gripe against the movie is, is that's what I wanted to do when I walked into the theater when it opened and they're like, there's this movie that's gonna change the way we see everything. It's experimenting with new film techniques and new graphics and things that have never been done. I wanted to walk in and interact with this world. And instead I felt like such an outsider that wasn't allowed to care about it. And then the park opens and I'm like, all right, there it is. Now here's the chance to feel what I wanted to when I walked into that theater. And we'll see when the sequel comes out if now You've got this world built. Let's see what you can do with it. Because let me put it in this terms. Cameron wanted to create this interactive, amazing planet. That's something that's never been done. A fully immersive thing. He wanted a history to go with it, a culture, a people. Basically, he was doing a Tolkien. Tolkien wanted to create a language, wanted to make a fully immersive world, wanted to fill it with people, fill it with characters, a history, a background but read the Silmarillion or the Lord of the Rings and compare that to what James Cameron released and said, this is my vision. But you, but you created and spent all this time imagining this world and this culture and these people. How could you release it without then giving it the time for a story that was fitting, that it deserved? Because I feel like you threw it out there and missed it by not not having the key component, which is the story that makes us care well, I think you're, about your planet. Well, I think, you're, I think you're onto something a little bit too, Matt, because you're talking about the sequels um, being an exciting prospect because you're, I think you're right in the world building, but you, if you remember when Tolkien, the Silmarillion was one of the last books that Tolkien ever released. I know, It was but, written before anything else he had done. The first, the first book we ever got in Middle Earth was The Hobbit. Right, but that's Which my is a point. small story. And that's my point is he focused on a story that totally drew people into his world without dumping the history and everything on you off the off the start so by the time you got to the silmarillion you cared about his world so much that to read it from the creation account on was amazing because these Mm -hmm. are people characters a world i want to be a part of and now i got the history and i feel like that's what cameron was missing here is the small story where's the thing that makes me care about this world before you try and like dump on me what it is and how it works and i like star wars sorry last thing though but that's star wars a new hope simple to the point story that draws us into characters to where we're like i care about this guy i care about his journey i care about the people he's interacting with i've got to see what happens to them because i want to make sure they're okay and then the next movie opens it up to this universal aspect of this empire that's taking everything over and how we're fighting them and the rebels and like he missed the small he should have started with the story that made us care it's terminator it's aliens aliens start with one alien then lead us to the world of how they work it's terminator give us the bad robot then lead us to the concept of sending more back like i it's right, something well, he's done before. But he, yeah. he, he just JP's like, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to get into my thoughts because I don't want to run out of time. Oh, nobody cares about your thoughts. <laughs> uh, but before I launch into my thoughts, can I just say, like, I, I, I hope that in in the Avatar sequel, uh, apparently it's supposed to be about like Jake and Atiri's kids, or at least kids of the tribe. I, I hope there's a scene where Jake is telling his kids how he and his mom met. And when he finishes the story, one kid's like, I don't know, Dad, the story is a little contrived and kind of weak. 
And then another kid's like, no, but I like the spectacle about it. It was pretty cool. Really good rule building. <laughs> another kid's like, uh, yeah, but you know, you can't just count on spectacle. And then the kid's like, yeah, man, you're just gatekeeping. <laughs> and Jake's like, how come everyone says this when I tell the, our, our love story? I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, that's my bit. <laughs> so, so my thoughts on Avatar. Um, I, it's really funny because, like, I, I'm, I'm like, it's, it, I'm right in the middle of the two of you <laughs> when it comes to this movie. You are literally the moderator. You get now you're the mediator. <laughs> Man, to get someone to call in to even it out. I don't know. Um, is Father Fun available? Um, so when I initially saw it, I, I thought I had a good time in the theater. I thought it was fun. Um, it was the first time I ever spent a hundred dollars to actually see a movie. <laughs> Because it was an IMAX and 3D and this really fancy theater, and it was me and my nephew, and you know, snacks also. But I remember this was like the first time I ever paid like a ton of money to see a movie. Um, and I, for overall, I thought it was fun. I thought it was good. Um, but as I kind of like started to move away from it, and you know, the, the less time I spent watching and more time I spent thinking about it, I kind of liked it less. And I think I, I've, I revisited a few times between now and then. Not really like sit down just to watch, but just kind of have like playing um, just to ignore. And so like watching it for this episode was like the first time I ever just sat down to watch it uh, with a bit of a critical eye and as an audience member again. And I have to say that I, I think I feel like I, I've 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 kind of I'm not going to say I figured out because I think a lot of people agree with me on this because a lot of people made the same statements. But I could kind of see why it didn't like grab hold. Of, of audiences imaginations for years and years and years and isn't celebrated like those other movies we talk about um, but I was uh, before I get to that I'll just say my thoughts on it I think that he did exactly what James Cameron did which is like he knew how he knew what story to tell he knew the right kind of story to tell and how to tell it he put all the components in place that tell the story that gets it from A to B to C he knew what kind of characters had to be in and, and you know he put most of his effort and a ton of other people's effort for being honest, like for five years, developing the world, developing the, and the technology um, to tell this story. And I think that really pays off immensely. It really is a beautiful, fascinating world. I love going to Pandora. I love seeing the, 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 the sites. I love the animals. I love the aliens. I love the Navi. Navi. Um, I think the the conflict between the humans and the indigenous people are, are is, is interesting. Um, I like the message. Um, it is a little on the nose, but I, I agree with it. And I think it's actually pretty cool that, that he, uh, approached it. Um, I, it, I, I, I'm bonkers, straight up bonkers over the ideas about the planet, like being sentient. And like, I think AWA is a really cool idea. And it's actually, like, I, find, I found it to be very moving. Like the scene where, where Sigourney Weaver's character is dying and they take her to hopefully transfer it into her avatar through Awa. And like the entire tribe comes together and is praying to it and trying and like all working together to make it happen. I thought that was a really beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful image and it's a really beautiful moment. And even though she's not transferred to avatar, she's with Awa. I think I thought that was really beautiful. But it's also, <laughs> it's kind of funny because it, it, it's sort of like, I don't know. I don't know what you guys, if you guys know anything about James Cameron and sort of like his relationship with religion, which is it's kind of non-existent. Right. Um, but like he would come up with a mythology as like God is real. He's not this amorphous thing. He's right there. And you can go talk to it. <laughs> right. 
and if you die, you can plug yourself into it, and and that's 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 how you die. None of this, none of this faith thing. <laughs> um, so I thought that's kind of funny. Um, um, but 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 big but here. Well, I'll keep talking about things I like. Um, I think that the part that I, the part that I like the most is I think the last act is uh, is a blast. Oh yeah. Um, if if and if you could say anything about James Cameron, we won't talk about world 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 building or characterization writing. The dude can can make an action scene, and he strap bombs to a space shuttle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the dude can direct an action scene and he's always been able to, and he always will. That's like the one thing he will always be able to do and always will be able to satisfy people with. And um, so that the whole last battle is like, it's riveting. It's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a ton of fun. Um, and, and a lot of, a lot of jumping. I noticed that that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, however, and can, really quick, I just, can we also talk about the, the fact that the amp suits have giant knives is amazing. <laughs> See, I like that too. See, this is this is a little nerd thing about me. I like it when giant robots don't have weapons attached and they actually have to pick up weapons. Right. <laughs> There's something about that kind of pulpiness that I find to be like that that really kind of triggers me as a nerd. Oh, it's a, total, awesome it's, a, it's a total rip off of Pat Labor, which is an anime um from like the late 80s where it's police officers in these giant mechs and the mechs have like just large sizes of conventional weapons. Yeah, I think that I, I, I love that. I love that the I love that the giant mech robots have giant knives. Uh, that's yeah. really funny um, and, and and awesome. Um, however, I don't think the story is not that compelling. And what makes that kind of worse is that you this with a with a with a not very compelling story. It's populated with not very compelling characters. And I don't, and I think, I really do think that is the reason why it's not celebrated. There's no, like, you have your main characters and you have, you have all the supporting characters. They're all in place and they're all acting their hearts out. Sam Rutherton, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe he is. Is that? Probably. I, I know, I know Zoe Saldana is. She's like, 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 like Matt said, I think she's the best thing about the movie. Oh, absolutely. I think her performance really comes through in, in all of that uh, mocap CGI stuff. Um, more than anybody else. Uh, they tried to make it happen with Sigourney Weaver and it, it just ends up scaring me <laughs> because she, her, hers is the most uncanny valley out of all of them uh, because they gave her like a real nose. Um, anyway, as I was saying, uh, the, the character is not very compelling. Um, there's not, and when I say that, you know, you don't have to have compelling characters for, for a, a, a movie to work. But if you want to make Star Wars, which is what he was saying he was making, you need a Han Solo, a Chewbacca, an R2-D2, a C-3PO. You need May the Force Be With You. You need uh, uh, Help Me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, You're My Only Hope. Like, you, There are components within these very celebrated movies that people can latch onto that keep it in the consciousness for years and years and years. Avatar has not, I don't think Avatar has any of those. And yeah, I think I think some of avatars. I mean, obviously, um, I see you was something they were trying to go for. Yeah. Um, I. Um, Which, I mean, come on, you're ripping off John Cena at that point. All right. Like. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I will say that it is kind of interesting that the most memorable character for me in the movie is the villain. Yeah. Um, the, I can't remember the actor's name who plays Colonel Quaritch. Stephen Lang. 
Stephen Lang is having the most fun in that movie. Yeah, and and you know, I think that that ties into I think James Cameron just knows how to write that character because he's he's written in all of his movies. Right. He knows how to he knows how to make uh you know a, a blue collar hard ass. And he knows how to make them interesting and compelling with just like with with ease. The first the guy's first line in the movie is Welcome to Pandora. If there's a hell, you might want to go there for some R and R. Yeah. Um, and I and, and to in, in addition to that, I actually think, and this is actually kind of an unpopular opinion. I think Sigourney Weaver's character is is just as interesting. It, 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 I mean, yeah. she's up there. I, th- I think she's just as interesting. Like, and I think that is because Sigourney Weaver and uh, Stephen Lang's characters; those are two sides of James Cameron, right? The art, the artist. It's like the scientist and the, and the techie guy, or like no, the scientist and the military guy. Like that's those are so, that's like that's been his bread and butter like his entire career. Well, and I will also say that there are, there are a few things that are missing. Um, that the director's cut adds some stuff in that um, I think brings a little bit of additional emotional layer, particularly Sigourney Weaver's character, um, because there's this and and with her relationship with um, with um, RDA um, um, is what, that what's RDA. RDA is the company that is that is mining the unobtainium. Okay. Unobtainium. I thought you were going to tell me what it actually stands for because I don't know what it is. Oh, it stands. Uh, it, it stands for. Um, this is your moment to geek out. Flex. Is it? Is it the research and development? No. What is it? The ah, one, really dumb association. But they. Um, hey guys, that's as creative as unobtainium. So back off. But you get this. You get the sense that <laughs> Sigourney Weaver and her team came because they're interested in learning about the planet and its culture and its life, and particularly with the fact that it's the only other, as far as we know, in their world, the only other intelligent species in the world or in the universe that Earth has ever encountered. And so they've clearly gone to like do work with the Navi. And there's a story because in the part in the movie where they're doing that jungle survey. Um, where, when Jake gets separated because the Thanatar attacks him, um, they um, there's a there's a bit that was edited out of the theatrical version where they go to visit this house that um, where um, um, Sigourney Weaver's character, who I can't remember her name anyway, um, she had she had a project where she was teaching the the the, the children of the Navi how to read. And not and and um, Natiri was there, and Natiri had a sister that was there. Anyway, um, the RDA had destroyed something, and so there had been a, a couple of the Navi had gone after them, and so the RDA showed up, and they shot like everyone, they killed like all the Navi mm-hmm. in that school, and like only Natiri and like um, Selu, um, the guy that she's like engaged to, like they're the only ones that like survived it or whatever, and that's why they're so pissed off at the RDA because they had actually killed um, like members of their tribe, not just like, Oh, they're digging up our land. Like they had actually killed some people. And so there's this bit where, um, where Sigourney Weaver's character goes and while they're doing some survey work, they go to that hut and she picks up like a couple of old books and there's a couple of old photographs and she tells the story about what happened. And so it adds this tragic dimension that you get the sense that she really loves the Navi. And so like later in the movie, when they, when they talk about Jake gets permission to let her, Avatar show up in the at the at at um, at Home Tree um, that there that it's very important to her and it means something to her. It's just one of those things that I, it would have it would have been nice if it had been left into the theatrical version. I think so. I, that, I mean that 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 definitely helps with some motivation um, and giving some like an emotional arc. I think at least to that character. 
Um, but I, I think I still think that overall, it's just and this is going to make Matt laugh because we have we've been having this conversation for like two days about <laughs> this. Um, a, cr a critic who we will not name was talking about a movie that Matt and I liked, and he mentioned something. He mentioned that it was very broad, and that really pissed me off, and I pissed him off too. And I'm watching Avatar. I'm like, oh wow, these characters are very broad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, and, and that that that's how I feel. And and I feel like, and here's the thing, I don't want to believe that James Cameron just forgot how to write a character. I don't want to, or, or to make a comparative character. He gave us Sarah Connor. He gave us the cooler version of Ripley. He gave us Hicks. Like he, he gave us, uh, uh, um, uh, what are other movies? I mean, the Terminator, the T-1000. Sarah, um, Sarah Connor. Yeah, I, I thought I did say Sarah. Sarah, Sarah Connor. Connor? Yeah, I said John Connor, John Connor and Sarah Connor. I don't want to believe he just forgot on his, like, on his, like, his baby. Um, I, think, I, I think it was intentional. And I think it was because, you know, a lot of people make the argument, even George Lucas has said this, about Star Wars. Um, George Lucas has said that Luke Skywalker is not that compelling of a character, but that's on purpose because you're supposed to project yourself onto that character. Mm -hmm. Like, he represents all of us. I don't know, I don't know if I could take him at his word for saying that, but I, can, I could see it. And I could see James Cameron probably thinking that way about all the characters involved. Maybe not so much Quartz. I, I feel like he really loves that character. Um, and Sigourney Weaver's character too. Um, so I think like, I think the whole point of this was to immerse people. And I feel like that was, and you know, people, like I said earlier, there's a, if you read a lot of reviews, people are complaining about like, there's a lot of negative space here. There's a lot of like locking off the camera here. If you watch the original Star Wars, and we've talked about this, Chuck, about technique in Star Wars. Yeah. In the first Star Wars, there's not much technique involved. The camera's locked off for most of the movie. Uh, most of the technique is in the editing and the transitions and stuff. Right. Um, and that's because like they had to worry about special effects. Like they had to worry about building the world around the camera. Um, so they couldn't like get flashy with it. They couldn't spend much time with 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 that aspect. I feel like that's kind of what's happening with Avatar. I kind of feel like he he's very he's it, it, it's deliberate. There is a lot of negative space. There is a lot of neutral, what you would call like neutral filmmaking. Um, but that is because I think he wanted the canvas to speak for itself. Right. You're supposed to be watching it in 3D. I watched it on my phone, which is like, you know, I don't, he would probably hit me if I told him that. He would, he would hit me. Yeah, he would. <laughs> um, don't, please don't, please, please don't tell James Cameron that I watched Avatar on my phone. Um, so, uh, and it's supposed to, it's all supposed to pop on its own. And it does, it did in the theater when I saw it, I thought it was beautiful. Um, but so I feel like it's, I, I'm just saying, I, I say that to say, I don't think a lot of its shortcomings are uh, a, uh, an accident. Like, I don't think he just like, whoops, forgot, forgot to develop this character. I think it was intentional. I think it was strategic. I think there was, there was an end game involved. However, I don't, I don't think it, so it, it caused it to, so to last, like like the abyss, and I think the abyss suffers from the same problems Avatar does, and that there are very compelling characters. There's that one dude with the mouse, right? Who actually, actually, that mouse actually breathes that liquid fluid. That 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 is that that is not simulated. That mouse is actually respirating yeah. that pink fluid in that movie. That's, that's insane. Um, well, so um, uh, let me just say that, um, and, and Matt's going to really hate me for this, um, but this is the only, not the only, but this is the first 
film franchise since I was a teenager that I had any interest in like sort of like writing fan fiction about. <laughs> um, but not like, oh, not I like, can't wait. You got to put it on the site. Come not on. Not that kind. Um, <laughs> but um, there's other kinds. No, is um, because I, and I, and this has got me thinking about something and I've, I've thought about this way too much, Matt. And that is, how do you evangelize the Navi? You don't have to, man. And do they you? Just, they just upload their souls to the trees. They're covered. Just make sure those trees don't get someone. Some evangelical Christian has snuck on an RDA ship at some point and brought like a Bible with them and has tried to do this. You know it's happened. So what does that method look like? And what do you do theologically with the fact that like their God is actually like this like energy field that exists in this uh, neural net that connects everything on the planet? He's just staring at me. <laughs> I I don't. I have to ride in a car with this guy for like five hours today. <laughs> and this, this is what he's going to be talking about the no. whole time. No, <laughs> no, no. I'll just be quizzing you on the uh, Navi names of all the animals. What's the Navi name for a banshee? Come on, Matt. Tuck and roll. Is it Ikari? Ikron. 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 Um, Please make it stop. Um, it is also, um, it, there is also, um, there is also another type of, 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 well, there's the forest banshee, which you only see briefly in the movie. They're, they're, they're not rideable. Um, they're a little smaller, but then there is sort of the apex predator of the banshees, uh, species, I, which is, uh, what is that one? JP, how do, do I you know? turn this microphone off? Uh, Turok, the dinosaur hunter. <laughs> nice. Toruk. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Scientifically <laughs> also known as the great Leonopteryx. I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> I'm in it deep, <laughs> and I I don't blame you, Chuck. Like this this I mean, I don't blame you, um, but it's just like uh, he, a, he blames I do. Me. I blame him. I blame him. I just think that like there are, there are things that happen in the script. It's like you know he just doesn't do this in other movies. Like just the fact that we're talking about. I mean, Turok the dinosaur hunter. When the, the when he does decide to to capture him and and bring him into battle, right? Turok Ita, yes. Yeah, the whole his whole explanation, his whole plan is 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 totally just expository, like a voiceover, which like has every screenwriter going, no, you can't do that, or like you shouldn't do that, or that's not a good principle. Uh, but like it is kind of right. funny. Like he's like, oh, oh he, he has to look up, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fly above. Yeah, that was ah, oh. ah. <laughs> oh. This is supposed to be the most pivotal act done in this civilization's history since it's only been done five times in case you missed it the the subtle foreshadowing of it's only happened five times um yeah you think our main character is gonna ride it and the mm. first time the first time the it ever only... happened they have a they have a Cirque du Soleil program uh, show about I, I kid you not uh yeah I, I know about the Cirque du Soleil so, show a podcast I listened to actually visited and did an episode about so it so it's oh, supposed to, to it. be the pivotal moment of this film, the thing that is going to unite two, two worlds, two completely separate groups of people, every tribe on that planet, the plus plus the humans who actually care about the them. Peoples. It's going to draw them all together, and we go, I'm going to jump on him from above. <laughs> Cut to him landing on it. Like, it landing in the middle of the people and everybody bowing to him. I know how to what? fix this. What? I know how to, I know how to fix this. See, he should have, you know what? If he wants to fill in all the negative space in the plot, he should just hire me. I should write the, I should write the sequels. 
Not to mention that bit about his kids. That's genius. Not I could, to mention, let, me tell you, let me tell you how he could have fixed this. Uh, fix there it. Should, fix there it. should have there should have been a running joke throughout the whole movie. They between, should have spent the money on between, something other than this film. Go ahead. Between between Jake Sully, who's the other warrior guy? Sule. Sule. There should have been a running joke between Jake Sully and Sule. And Jake is like, hey, Sule, do you ever do you ever notice that these banshees don't look can't look up? And Sule's like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay. Of course they can look up. This and and then and then and then Natiri can be like can be like well like you've never noticed like like you pay attention enough for banshees for that they look up. I mean it's it's a joke different for Shaun of the Dead, but but bear this, with me. This, so he finally he finally catches a banshee and he comes out and say, hey, sir, check it out, check it out. It didn't look up. It, they, it, your, your your comment about that kind of makes me think of uh, of the movie Pitch Black, where there's that one throwaway scene, that one throwaway scene in Pitch Black where um, where um, um, Riddick approaches one of the dead creatures and he's like puts like the because it's got one of the hammerhead eye things fell off of it and he yeah. puts it together and he goes blind spot <laughs> and then he figures out because and then later that pays off in a scene where he yeah. manages to position himself in the blind spot of the monster this, this movie is entirely what, what is the word predicated on the assumption that this planet is is sustained by people joining together and like bonding with each other and creation and the planet around it. And lines are given, I would say like speeches are made, but that's not true. Single lines are given about, you know, how you ride something is you connect with it and become one with it. And how you save this planet is you connect with it and become one with it. How he's going to save everybody is by connecting with this one massive thing that everybody's afraid of and becoming one with it so that they can work together in unity. And yet this movie does nothing at all to make me care about their attempts at connecting with each other. And what I mean by that is when he picks out the first flying thingy, tell me the names, the, uh, the, the, banshee, the, the banshee, they call it. Yeah. What are they? What the, Yeah, that dude. There's this big thing given about how you have to choose it and it has to choose you. How is it no, going to choose chooses me? it chooses you. How, how do I know it chooses me? It's going to try and kill you. And then it's this stupid little really quick fight scene. He plugs into it and it's done. There's no like, there needs to be some kind of way of cinematically and story-wise showing me the effort involved in communicating with each other. Like the scene with the giant flying thing doesn't even need to be some massive, really cool special effects fight in the sky. How about some kind of like moment where we see the character have to actually relate to this thing? He plugs into it and there's something that ha shows that, I don't know how you do it, but this is why I'm not the filmmaker, but something that shows the difficulty in connecting with another, another creature. Something that shows that the reason this thing is has only been written five times is not because people are afraid of it, but because nobody's taken the time to actually like connect with it and become one with it and to show I'm here to save this planet. You're here as a part of this. We're all one. Let's work together to make this a place where we can all live in harmony. Like that's the message to the movie, but the movie does nothing to give that message. What the movie does is this planet will join together to kill all you bad peoples and throw you off of me. Instead of this planet is all about unity and showing how connecting and becoming one is how the universe is made whole and safe. 
because that's his message. That's not what the film portrays. It just portrays, it, it's, it portrays redemptive violence. That's what the film portrays. We'll fight you, we'll win, and our God itself will finally choose a side and fight. That is the ending message of the, the planet heard you, it's gonna kill them too, yay. Well, I mean, Awa is an anagram of Yahweh. Yeah, and like, just, oh God. My point, <laughs> my that's point. That's what Yahweh does in the, oh, guys, in the Bible. Guys, guys. Cameron did with this movie, Mr. I don't, I don't believe in religion, did with this movie what the church has done with the gospel, and we've turned it into nothing more than a story of redemptive violence where I will fight you, you will fight me, and my God's on my side, so we're going to win. Instead of talking about how unity and working together and connecting with one, one another and God being part of I came down and became human so I can show you how to be human and connect is what the point is, and this yeah. movie misses it too. But is, hey, he has a cool big knife with his robot. I do. I mean, I, 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 I kind of, I kind, I kind of agree because I, I did say I love the idea of Awa and and all the scenes involving Awa and how they, you know, uh, and their relationship with it. I do kind of feel like most of its payoff is is, is toward the end involving Jake Sully. I do think there should have been more exploring that relationship and, and kind of fleshing out theme and things like that. Uh, but can I have just just a quick aside? Um, apparently, Steven Spielberg saw Avatar when it came out, and the the rumor, the story is, and if if you hear other Steven Spielberg rumors, it pretty much checks out. Apparently, the part where Neytiri says, "You know, Awa heard you," and she says, "Awa heard you." Yeah. Apparently, Steven Spielberg stood up in his chair and started applauding and cheering. So, anyways, Steven Spielberg is a dork. I, like, I, I, there's lots of stories like that. Like, apparently, he watched Paranormal Activity, and he brought it back to the production company, wrapped in a plastic bag, and said, "Just get this thing away from me." <laughs> like, he's such a dork. Like, he gets really into movies. That's why he's Steven Spielberg. I so, uh, uh, go ahead, Matt. No, no, because my I'm, I'm I'm trying to wrap it up at this point. So, say what you need to say. Oh, I was I was just gonna talk about. Uh, that um, well, I, I I still don't understand how day and night works in that planet. <laughs> oh, because like, uh, when is Jake sleeping? Because well, they, they indicate he, that he's like he's sleeping, but it's a moon. It ain't that big. And there, yeah. Well, well it must be on the other side. Well, right? he's not on the other side. He's like he's just like no, a few miles right away there when they show up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, so, and I feel bad for the and I feel bad for the nerd guy who like spent his whole life trying to work with them, and then like the, see that would have been a really that. good character. Yeah. I think that character should have been more fleshed out. Oh yeah, I think I should. I mean, could you I imagine think, like Michelle Rodriguez's character? Like if, if any Tr character, oh, Trudy? any you character imagine, should have been more fleshed out. Can you, you imagine how much problem. better the story would have been if like we didn't know if we could trust her like the whole movie? But yeah. like from the from the moment we know, her, like, oh she's our, we know she's on our side, right? She yeah, she should, she should have been a Han Solo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, I think he thought she was, and that, that's and and the the nerdy guy, he should have been C three PO. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, but but Chuck, let me ask you: do, do you think Matt's being unfair to Avatar? A little bit. A little <laughs> bit. I kind of think that Matt Matt watched it watch when he watched it for this episode. He watched it with the intent of where can I find stuff to get mad about oh, for no. the sake of the episode I, because I, I need watch, to be that person on this episode. I watch it. I oh, kid boy. you not. I watch this movie going, I want to like it because you're so into it. It looks fun to be into it. That's why like I'm I'm gonna tell you guys now. 
after all the crap I just talked about it, um, Father Chuck and I are, are getting ready to go to Orlando to see Rob Bell. Um, and I would give more than anything if we had time, which we don't, to stop and go to the Avatar thing with with him. Like, I would love that. It would be I'd awesome. Be so it would guys. be like the coolest thing on the face of the earth. And I'm telling you that right now. And I mean it, that this is a world I want to be excited about and interact with. It's what I want to do. Really I mean, that's it's, it's, what's funny is, the, Matt, the way you feel about Chuck is how I feel about James Cameron. I think James Cameron loves the story. I think he loves it. I wish I wish I saw what he saw because I know. I wish I he saw wants to the dedicate movie. the rest of his life making Avatar movies. I wish I saw the movie you saw, Chuck. I really do. I want to see it, but I don't see it. But that's that's also to say that I still I don't I don't hate this movie. Like I I, I get it. I understand it. Yeah. No. And my, I, can, I can I can, and I'm I'm entertained yeah. by it. My I level. Sorry, my level of hatred is played up for the podcast, but my <laughs> hatred is not played up for the podcast. What I mean by that is. I legitimately do not like this movie, um, but I want to. On the podcast, it's played up as I hate it and I want nothing to ever do with it again. No, I'm desperately wanting him to make me care about this planet. That's what I'm hoping the second one does because I, I want to care. I want to be a part of this immersive experience and I wanna go to the park and be like the nine-year-old kid, like blown away. Like, oh my goodness, it's real, it's really here. I wanna be that, I really do. Okay, before before we uh, before we end it, um, I just need to know how, how you guys feel about uh, the papyrus font. Good font, good font to use. Good font. This is a, this this joke. I just don't follow your guys' humor. By the way, uh, Flight of Passage is currently a hundred eighty minute wait at uh, at Animal Kingdom. Good lord. I would love I would love to go there with you. It would be a blast. Isn't uh, the you, oh, go ahead, Chuck? No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say mention some things about that I that I know about Pandora. I follow this YouTuber. Her name is Jenny Nicholson. She's like a big Disney freak, and she's very she's I, I she's very she's very cynical. She's very mean in her reviews, and sometimes I have to stop watching her videos. Um, but she visited the world of Pandora, and even she was like, "As much as I don't like Avatar, this park is amazing." <laughs> see, see, that's what I want, and that's why I really do want to go there with you. So and, all joking aside, I want to go there with Father Chuck, and I want to care about this story. I really do. That's and that's what makes me angry. Here's the I thing: don't. is I think I think for me at this point, watching and caring about Avatar is supplementary to me going to the park. Probably, <laughs> and so you just do it so you oh, can be going think, to the park. <laughs> oh, I don't think I 100% know. You went to that park; it like transported you to another place, and now. This movie is like your, your connection. It's the yeah. equivalent, guys. It's the equivalent of me going to Europe, touring the whole place, like backpacking for three and a half weeks, and coming back and showing you a two and a half hour slideshow of my photos. To me, it's going to be the most compelling thing ever. To you, please don't show me another photo. Like that's what <laughs> Avatar has become to Father. Well, Chuck. It, it's, it's a slideshow of his summer vacation. Well, and it's funny to me that you were complaining about the whole scene where he's writing to Ikran, um, that um, I can't remember the name of the ritual, but um, they, um, they, because the, because the flight of passage ride is, is that basically yeah. is you doing that rite of passage of flying the, the, the Banshee. Like I watch the movie now and I'm like, I've done that. Like there's just like, <laughs> Like I didn't fight the thing, but I've done that. Um, and um, and a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have described going on that ride as a spiritual experience. And I agree with that. It's crazy. 
Um, and so I think that's, I will, I will own up that. I think that I, I see the movie in that light and that I, I have a, I have such a, I have a much more warm, uh, thing. Cause like, I feel like I've, so like when I watch, like when I watch, uh, the, the, when I watch them like tear it, like strip mine, the, the, the planet, I, I, I feel that. Cause I'm like, I've been there. I've seen how pretty it is. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, so would you say what you're, what you're, what you're experiencing is that that what is that called that post Pandora depression or something that that urban legend that happened when the movie came out? Oh, right. That thing was a, yeah, I don't know if it's a depression, but it is like it, it is. Well, let me tell you JP. And this is, I really want to go on that ride with you. I want to go with Matt too, but I really want to go with you because um, the, the first time I went on that ride, fine. I'm no, no, no. I'm going to explain why well, the first time I went on it, I stood in there and I looked at the design of everything. And I saw like the doors that lead you in, like, because the way the ride works is you go, the, the, the queue is you go up this long winding path, you go into these caves and there's all these cave drawings of like riding the Toruk and, and it ostensibly is like cave art about the cap, the, the first person to ride a Banshee and all this kind of stuff. And then um, you wind through that and then suddenly you find yourself in an RDA facility that clearly at some point had been like blown open during like a conflict. Cause like, you know, Animal Kingdom has this whole sort of like everything's old and falling apart kind of feel to it. Um, and so they, they, they maintain that with Pandora and because you're, you're there a hundred years after the events of the movie. And, um, but you walk through the, and there's, and it's this RDA facility, um, that has been renovated. Um, and uh, cause that's sort of the storyline of the park is that there's this company called ACE, the Alpha Centauri Expeditions that has come and taken over the RDA facilities to create this tourist program in order to help with the rebuilding of Pandora. It's like I'm standing in a James Cameron film. Like it just felt like that. And I was like, and my first thought was, I need JP to be here. Like that's, I need him to experience what it's like to stand in a James Cameron film. That's kind of how I felt as a kid when I went, whenever I would go do the uh, Terminator 2 3D battle yes. cost time. Yes. Yes. It has that feeling, just being in the line. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, we, we, we should go, the three of us. We should. I, I heard the river adventure is like horrible though. I love it. I love it. The animation, I mean, it's, it's boring, but it's, it's pretty. It's so pretty. It's yeah. It's and the, and the animatronic shaman of songs is incredible. It looks like an actual Navi is right there. Well, guys, uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. Oh, man. That's more than enough time. I want to talk more about evangelizing the Navi. I want to do that. <laughs> Chuck wants, to, Chuck's going to go to, Go to Animal Kingdom and try to evangelize people. <laughs> they don't really have Navi there. I mean, I would just be talking to a robot. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, great. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I definitely saw a lot of the problems, and and I think I think that there is a very specific reason why it's not celebrated. Um, but I, I like I, I I love that you love it, Chuck. And I think it's funny how how uh, off put. How, how put off Matt is by the movie. What I, um, I I wonder if Matt goes to the park and then he's like, oh, I'll check it out again. And then suddenly he's like, okay, I was wrong, guys. <laughs> he he wears the, the Navi hoodie and everything. I, I forgot to bring mine. The movie might the movie might suck horribly, but I'm coming back with my own avatar. So whatever. <laughs> it is it's it's fun. It's happening. So oh, by I'm the way, it. do you know how you can tell the difference between uh, an actual Navi and a um and a Skywalker, which is what they call or a Dreamwalker, which is what they call the the avatars in their world. What, what do they call what, what? Navi have three fingers. The avatars have four. Oh, 
And there's also Sigourney Weaver's nose. That they, they also, I think eyebrows maybe are different, but they made a thing too. I remember when I went, they were just straight up when they like, the best thing is, is the people who do all this stuff are very much in character. And, and so when I was sitting for my figure, they were, they were like, now just so you're aware, the Navi don't have beards. So yours will not have a beard. Like it was just very like, they don't have beards, but they could have blue eyes. Like, okay. <laughs> Guys, that's all the time we have for today. Um, I want to thank both Matt Wells and Father Chuck for, for coming out and watching Avatar. You should thank me for watching it. We, he froze. JP um, froze. Or he okay. gave up on us. Or he... Oh, now you froze. Now you froze. What's going on? Perfect time for you to freeze. Oh, he, he, okay. He, <laughs> okay. You're, un, you're unfrozen. So are you. Okay. So, Matt, thank you. Chuck, thank you. Hi, Alove and Ewa Nagahu. Oh my gosh, please help me. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next week. Have a wonderful week. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.